King's kids, if you are in second grade on down, you're free to roam about the cabin. Hey Dave, don't forget sunscreen. I gotta think about that now. All right. Got him. I get the best dressed award. Uh, pray with me for a second here. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Jesus, and we, we ask for your forgiveness right now. We make so much of our daily lives about us. What we will wear, what we will eat, what we can buy next. And God, we need you to change the way we think. The way we think about money, the way we think about stuff, the way we prioritize our time. Teach us to have a heart of worship outside of this building when we are away from our Bibles, when we are at our worst, when we are our most selfish, self-centered, Use your spirit to break through our hearts and create in us a clean heart, God. Because we can't do it ourselves. Restore to us the joy of your salvation because this world drains it from us every day. We give your spirit permission to convict us, to encourage us. We need a reminder, God, that you are on the throne, that Christ is coming soon, and we need to be found faithful and eager as we wait for you. Give us a heart of worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Open your Bible to Proverbs chapter 6. We're reading verses 6 through 19. Proverbs 6, 6 through 19. I encourage you to follow along. I purposefully don't put the scripture on the screen because I expect you to bring a Bible, follow along. Uh, which translation is best? Whichever one you will obey, whichever one you will read, whichever one you will dive into. Uh, what translation are we rolling with here? NIV today. The NIV. So Proverbs chapter 6, follow along, verses 6 through 19. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provision in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. A troublemaker and a villain who goes about without, with a corrupt mouth, 
who thinks maliciously with his eye, signals with his feet, and motions with his fingers, who plots evil with deceit in his heart, he always stirs up conflict. Therefore, disaster will overtake him in an instant. He will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. So Proverbs 6. <clears throat> Man, was I feeling the pressure to make like four sermons out of this passage. And you are glad I didn't. Amen? <clears throat> Our, what, why are you so... I didn't compress four sermons into one message, Roy. What I did was the title of this message. Uh, I stopped, I stepped back, and I tried to observe the rest of this chapter and say, what is he trying to say? This isn't even all the chapter. I stopped at a very specific point because there are like four little nuggets of wisdom here, and I was sorely tempted to have four very specific sermons, but what God saved you from is a general observation, or saved you into, is a general observation where I think Solomon is making one big point through this passage today with uh, his own observations. These things he's talking about this morning, he's going to bring up again later on in Proverbs. This is not like he has to, he doesn't, Solomon doesn't feel like he has to say everything all at once. He's going to talk about it later. Therefore, I don't feel like I need to say everything all at once about these things because these things are going to come up again later and we can, we can talk about them more in depth as they come up again. So I'm trying to keep it like Solomon as the big idea. What would the big idea be on this passage? I think with all of his wisdom... Solomon sees that if you'll stop, if you'll step back and you'll observe, the whole world is teaching us to be careful because foolishness is leaving us, quote, broke beyond healing. So much of this passage resonates with me because I've seen it. I've felt it. I have been it. So big idea for all of these sections, I've got divided into four sections, is that the world is teaching us to be careful. If you're not careful, you'll be broke beyond healing. So godly wisdom, Solomon's been teaching us godly wisdom. Here's what godly wisdom looks like. Here's what foolishness looks like. Godly wisdom waits foolishness grasps and takes and leaps ahead of of what God wants so be patient learn in God's time God's way go to the ant o sluggard did anybody use the word sluggard this last week <laughs> besides me <laughs> because it was it was in there like that's uh so what does the word sluggard mean Belinda what does the word sluggard mean you <laughs> lazy <laughs> bum uh, uh, Bruce, would you add anything to the word sluggard? 
no good, get out of bed. I mean, I don't know what, like, sluggard. It, here's a good one, slimy. Slug, sluggard, right, right? Slow. What's a slug good for? Fish bait, maybe? I, but even then, I don't want to touch it. I'd rather touch a worm than a slug. I, I guess I could grab it with my pliers and then apply the hook. I've done that on some slimy baits before. But it's like, what? Slug? We, hmm. How useful is a slug in your garden? Even when it does do something, eh, you don't like it. You know where it's been because it leaves a trail of nastiness behind it like like, okay he's getting the picture here the kind of person Solomon is addressing Uh, not the kind of person you want to be not even the kind of person you want to be around and listen to this advice go to the ant well how you can't get much more insignificant than that in the natural world ant because we have ants in the parking lot you probably stepped on an ant on your way in this morning didn't did I mean did did it change your life when you killed that ant? Changed his life? It changed the scheme of things? No, just no. So an ant is really insignificant, right? So here's a positive note, verses six through eight. Even nature's wisdom is superior to foolishness. You can look out in nature and see wisdom that is just happening And it's better than the foolishness of a human. When a human is foolish, even nature should make you ashamed. Go look at the ant, sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Like, (laughs) that sounds like an insult to me. Go be wise as an ant. Is that super encouraging or is that kind of ruffle your feathers if somebody were to say that? You're dumb as a... Yeah, that's... This is harsh words here. What does the ant do? Without having any chief, any officer or ruler, the ant prepares bread for the summer, gathers food in the harvest. Like that's impressive, impressive. Work, work and save for the future. Write that down because that is uncommon sense. Work and set resources aside for winter. Humans, do the same thing. Work and save for a rainy day. We can learn from an insignificant creature that you need to plan ahead. Work and save for the future so you have resources to live on when storms come, when droughts come, when diseases come, when old age comes. If you are not saving like the ant, you're foolish. Ants do not consume all that they collect. Stop and think about that for just a second. Ants do not eat and consume everything they bring in. They set some aside just to be safe. And there are a lot of other animals that do that. That's just general grace of God in nature. Can we learn from that? What should we learn from that? Don't be a sluggard. 
verses 9 through 11. Why not? Because laziness leads to poverty and want. Even if an ant's hill is flooded, they don't whine about it. They just start over and do the same thing again. That's just nature. (laughs) Things happen. When stuff happens, and I've done a lot, man, I've done a lot of mean things to ants as a kid. You know, magnifying glasses, matches, soda. They just, you go away, I go rest. The next day, there they are again. New hole, same scenario. They just go to work and keep grinding it out. There's a lot to be learned there. When bad stuff happens, get back up the next day, dig a new hole. House burns down, what are you going to do? Okay, I'm going to give you a minute to mourn and grieve over the loss. That's normal. That's where we are different than an ant. What, are you quitting on life because your house burned down? You done living? Yeah, is that it? I lost everything, game over. God, take me away. This is, forget it. Uh, no. You go to work. You get some love and help from your, from your church family. You go to the thrift store. You start reassessing your life. You think deeply, but what do I need to get by tomorrow? What do I need to provide for my family for the next week? And you just rebuild. You This is really common, but we're not good at it. So Solomon says, get good at it. Be like the ant. Verse nine, how long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. If you're lazy long enough, it will impact you seriously. And poverty and want, they're not pictured as passive. They're pictured as active. Poverty and want want to be a robber. They want to rob you. They're on the lookout for you. They're looking to get you. So you need to be on guard. They don't just accidentally happen. They're looking for a place to park in your life. So the best thing to do to avoid poverty and want is to keep moving, keep working, keep earning, staying productive. What else does poverty rob you of? Sure, there's the robbery of stuff. But consider this. Laziness also robs you of self-esteem. What do you have to be proud of? Laziness robs you of purpose. Yeah, why even try anymore? Uh, Because there are other people in the world that you can help besides yourself. You may not have a good reason to get up for yourself, but if you'll love your neighbor, God's given you a reason to get up and take care of others and meet the needs of others. You don't... You don't have to have a purpose right here when you have God as the purpose of your life. He gives you other purposes. God's whole game plan here is love the Lord your God, 
Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus, others, and I've heard the acronym for real joy, yourself at the end. I would say, no, go for the Joe. <laughs> go for Jesus and others. Less of me. He must increase. I must decrease. He must become greater. I must become lesser. That's going to give you some purpose and generosity. Laziness robs you of the ability to be generous to other people. The most generous people, and, and this, I'm not talking about money. The most generous people give their time. How do they have time? Obviously, they've set some stuff aside and they've, they've worked enough. They've paid for some things. They've worked enough. They've simplified their life in such a way that they have the ability to give their time. And they could be working and making more money. Or they could be helping you. Generous people give of themselves first. You can't do that when you're lazy, when you're a sluggard, when you're a consumer. Um, it's going to come upon you like a robber. Want and need, like an armed man. That last line there, like an armed man in verse 11, uh, which also speaks to the fact it's going to scare the living daylights out of you the moment you realize what your laziness has gotten you into. It's not just passive. It's scary. It's scary when you find out that you're stuck because you waited too long. You're stuck because of some previous decisions. That, that's, that is a scary place to be. I grew up in a household that was like that rather often in my life. And it's, it's unnerving. Doesn't feel good right about there. Ugh unsettling that's what he's talking about I don't have a slide for it but you might jot this down to the side 2nd Thessalonians chapter 3 verses 10 through 12 2nd Thessalonians 3 10 through 12 says this if anyone is not willing to work let him not eat for we hear that some among you walk in idleness backstory people thought Jesus was coming back today, tomorrow, and they stopped working. And they were relying upon the generosity of other people in the church to feed them, to clothe them, to shelter them. Paul says, uh, 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 uh. Paul believed Jesus could be coming back any moment. And he says, go to work. If you don't work, you shouldn't eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage, I like that, both, command and encourage you in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do your work, and listen to what he says next, do your work quietly and earn your own living. That's, those are big words. That's the prescription against poverty and want. Now, time out. 
What if I have a health emergency? What if my house really does burn down? What if my kids go off the rails? What if, like, these are not promises. These are general observations. If you live a certain way, certain things are going to happen. There's a lot of allowance in the Bible, too, for poverty. It's not a curse. It's not a sin. And sometimes it comes upon you because of you were born with a disability. Or you had a heart so big you just gave everything away to help somebody else. Like there are a lot of legitimate reasons also that you could end up in poverty. Right? But how do we handle that even then? We get up. We go to work. We serve other people. We scratch. We save. We meet our needs. We meet the needs of our family. And we still look to be generous to other people. Go to the ant. You just keep going on. You ever feel like an ant sometimes? Up and to work and to back and to work. The monotony. The re- you ever feel like an ant sometimes? Come on, give me some. Yeah, hey, I've seen some of that in your eye. You're like, yeah, that's just so, so okay. Because you're not an ant, but you're to be like the ant in your work. But there's another dynamic to life. We don't just work to work. We don't just work mindlessly. We're working in order to further God's kingdom in our home, in our community, further God's kingdom. We can be the salt and the light at work. We can be the salt and the light in the community. We're saving so we can be generous. We're saving so we can be generous. And so when we have generosity, we can talk to other people about Jesus. We can speak into people's lives as we feed them, as we clothe them, as we help them. It gives us the ability to open up some ears. That's, that's really important. And you gain the ability when you're helping somebody, you could, you could say harder things to them that they probably need to hear than you could if you weren't helping them. Some people just need to be told, hey, stop doing that. Generosity. Don't let that get taken away from you. Verses 12 through 15. A worthless person, a wicked man, goes about with crooked speech, winks with his eyes, signals with his feet, points with his finger, with perverted heart, devises evil, continually sowing discord. Therefore, calamity will come upon him suddenly. In a moment, he will be broken beyond healing. Foolish living leads to calamity and brokenness. Calamity and brokenness. This is not promises, but observations. Generally speaking, if you hurt enough people, someone will hurt you back. You hurt enough people, eventually you're going to hurt the wrong person. And they're going to come out swinging or firing. You rob enough people, you're going to come across somebody with a concealed carry. You get into enough fights, you're going to find somebody quicker, stronger, more violent than you are. You can go about crooked speech, saying whatever you want to people. You can wink with your eyes, signal with your feet, always disregarding people, always thinking, always 
planning with your heart, pointing your finger, perverted heart, evil desire, continually sowing discord. Your day is coming. And our society, sometimes that means you get arrested. Sometimes it means you just get beaten up. But the end of verse 15 says, in a moment, you can be broken beyond healing. Something can happen to you that will change your entire life, future, health, ability, something. You mess around doing bad things long enough, it hurts. You may never recover from the next hit. You huff, you die. You try something one time, you could die. You run around with the wrong people long enough, you get their diseases you get their rap sheet. It's brutal, but it's true. Does it always happen perfectly? No. These are general observations. Step back and just look. Somebody who lives that way, here's what happens. Somebody who lives that way, here's what happens. Somebody who lives that way, here's what happens. Does calamity always come upon evildoers? No. Sometimes they get away with it and they live long, rich lives. Does calamity always come upon evildoers? Wait, did you just said that? Yeah, I said no, but now I say yes. Because eventually God's gonna hold them accountable. God is a perfect judge, nothing escapes him. They may get away with it, they won't get away with it. What about brokenness? Will the wicked always be broken by their sin? Nope. Sometimes the thief, the rapist, gets away and dies of old age. Will the wicked always be broken by their sin? Yes, because God will eventually break all evildoers. We have to see things from a heavenly mindset. Just because something doesn't, isn't just on planet Earth in this life, that doesn't mean God isn't just. The real question is, who's going to pay for that sin? You? Are you willing to pay for your own sin? Or will you let Jesus pay for your sin? Isn't that the gospel? Are you willing to pay for your own sin? Yeah, I, I deserve it. I need to pay for it. I, I, I'm not good enough. Well, hold on there. If you don't think you're good enough, what you're actually saying is Jesus isn't good enough. It's, you're making it all about you when it should all be all about him. I'm not, no, I don't deserve it. It's like, no, I, you should, I shouldn't because you think he can't. You've made this all about yourself and your brokenness instead about his greatness. That's not the gospel. That's self-abasement, self-destruction, self-imposed suffering that, that's not right that's not true humility true humbleness crawls to the foot of Jesus's cross and says I don't deserve this but I need it I accept your payment for my sin and when you come to Jesus like that as a beggar as broken and empty that's what he's looking for. That's the good news. 
What must I do to be saved? Believe on him who was high and lifted up on the cross, who was buried, who rose again with victory over death and hell and the grave. Step back from your life just a second. Observe these things that Solomon is talking about and you know them to be true. You know nature's teaching wisdom. You know society's teaching you wisdom. You know if you live this certain way, laziness. You know if you live this certain way, not being able to work. You live this certain way, you're gonna be evil of heart and deceive people and get rich quick off of other people and deceive people and hurt people and harm people. It's coming back on you. We know that. We feel that. The only thing that breaks that cycle is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verses 16 through 19. There are six things the Lord hates. Well, then why does the next verse say seven? (laughs) Here are six things, seven that are an abomination to him. Now, this formula is going to come up again later. It's, It's a clever way of saying, listen up. They say things like this in order to emphasize something. It's a figure of speech. It's a way of saying, I'm about to tell you something really important. It's so important, I'm adding another thing to it. It's not just seven. Seven is going to be the number of wholeness, the number of completion. It reflects all the way back to God creating all things. And seven is this, this number of wholeness, this number of completion. So a Jewish person is reading this, six things, seven. Here are six things the Lord hates. Seven. That would capture their attention. Seven is a really important number. It has a lot of meaning. If God says it in sevens, it really is going to happen. It really is true. It's coming to completion. What does he say? Seven things that are an abomination. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies and one who sows discord among the brothers. The Bible is stepping on some toes here. There are some sins that many churches highlight as abominations that don't make the list today. It's really popular for churches to single out homosexuality and rant on that that's an abomination true so is pride so is lying so is a false witness that's lying again that must be a pretty big one there if it's like twice sowing discord among brothers that's gossip that's slander there are no exhaustive lists of abominations. All sins are an abomination. They all are. We can't pick and choose. And Solomon doesn't even try to. He goes with a hot list that steps on the ch- toes of church people. People who would be in the temple. People who would participate in religious festivities. His own son. Remember he's writing to his son who is the king. These are the things you need to look out for in you. In me. These are the dangerous things. These are the things that make the list. 
haughty eyes, pride. Pride is that uncanny ability to always point at somebody else. The next blank is, these are abominations of the heart. Of the heart. Verse 18 just pierces us. A heart that devises wicked plans. It doesn't say the hands that commit all of the things, the heart. You can just, if you just keep it to yourself, it's okay. <laughs> no. If your heart starts thinking of ways to get away with stuff, you start, you, you let your mind wander into ways that you can please yourself. You start, you start thinking of, man, that guy's such a, you start accusing people, haughty eyes. You start looking down on people, evil heart. This, this is the real abomination right here. Me, towards other people. It's a heart issue. And let me ask you this. If you stop and step back and observe just these seven things, does that look like, does that sound like the world you live in? Does this sound like the world we live in? Haughty eyes, lying tongues, hands that shed innocent blood, hearts that devise wicked plans, feet that run to make haste to evil, like people who are, it's so, such a contrast with how beautiful are the feet that, those, that bring the gospel. Such a contrast. I think Solomon may be thinking of some of the words of his dad on that one. A false witness, people lie, cheat, breathe out lies. Do people sow discord on social media, in the news? Do people sow discord everywhere? Does this sound like the world we live in? It is. It always has been. I'm trying to say this gently, so please hear me loud and clear. It's always been this way. The world has been evil your entire lifetime. The older you get, the more you notice it. The older you get, the more you see it recycling itself. Now, hey, yeah, humans are coming up with new ways to be, to be worse. We have more weapons, we have more violence, we have more ability to sow discord through social media, to spread lies through the internet. We, we have the ability to ramp it up a notch, but we're still doing the same things we've always done. We still have the same evil hearts we've always had. There were no good old days. You just didn't know those were bad days too. You were living in a bubble. Wow. In high school, I was part of this debate club called Model United Nations, where you would take on the persona of a country and then you go pretend you were in the United Nations and draft resolutions and settle wars and, and, and fix world hunger and do all these political things. It was like a political debate class. You had to read the LA Times, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, or Time Magazine to get current information on what was happening in Israel. Which means you wouldn't hear about a rocket attack for seven days after it happened. People are all over Benjamin Netanyahu right now for what he's doing in Israel. and He's changed a little bit. When I was in high school, he was doing all the same things. But now you hear it within minutes 
of when it happens. And you feel overwhelmed with all news and the current news cycle because it's instantaneous without a filter. The most important things don't rise to the top. Everything rises to the top and you feel like you're drowning. Journalism is different. News is different nowadays. And it seems like the world is worse. I don't think it is. I think it's always been bad. You just didn't hear about it before. Now you're just being flooded. Now there are certain evils in the world that are, seem to be accelerating, happening more often, but I'm just, I'm just scrolling through headlines this last couple of days, headlines from when I was in high school and when I was in college of mass shootings, of airplanes being shot out of the sky, hundreds and hundreds of people dying. I'm not trying to belittle the things that are happening today as if mass murders and mass deaths, those are, those are terrible, tragic events. They've always been happening. Solomon knows this too. He's living in a kingdom of peace, but he knows what his dad has done. He knows what the nations around him have done. And it's always been this way. The only solution is the gospel. The only thing that will break the cycle in your life. Government's not going to help you. Your family can't help you settle the most important thing in the world. It's between you and Jesus. All human hearts have been planning evil to get us where we are today. You and me included. So examine your heart, humble yourself before God, and ask yourself, God, if there be any wicked way in me, Help me. Forgive me today. The gospel is the only thing that will protect you from this. Solomon is warning his son, and I in turn am trying to warn you. It is so easy for church people to have haughty eyes, lying tongues, hearts that devise wicked plans, and to be false witnesses. It's easy for us to sow discord among each other. It's easy. It's easy because it's all around us. It's easy to talk bad about people. It's easy to talk bad about your spouse. It's easy to talk bad about your kids. And it's easy to talk bad about yourself. We need the gospel of Jesus Christ to give us a new heart and a new mind that frees us from the natural course of the world. Solomon is painting a picture for his son. It's a rough world out there, son. Be careful walking out that door. Yes, that's the observation. And this world teaches us that. If you're not careful and you're living according to a plan, if you're not careful and you're living on purpose, then life is gonna happen to you and it's gonna hurt. And there are consequences. So how are you gonna live? Here's the good news. Nature shows us that we need to work and save for the future. We all know that laziness can lead to poverty. We all know that perverted hearts leave us broken. And we all know that God hates pride and selfishness. But 
God's people, write this down, God's people are not broken beyond healing. Yes! We have a future, we have a hope set in heaven with God in Jesus Christ. We're not stuck here. We just are living here. We are strangers and pilgrims wandering through this, <laughs> wandering through this sermon. Wandering through this entire life. Wandering through these high school years. Will this ever end? Yes, it will end. One, wandering through this empty nesting. Wandering through this grandparenting. Will this ever end? Yes. We're not broken beyond healing. In Jesus Christ, we will find hope beyond even our failures. Our ultimate healing will not come in this life. So persevere, live by faith, go to work, don't have an evil heart, strive against laziness. It's in there. I know you want to sit back and I'm just, it's okay to relax. It's okay to have a vacation. It's okay to have time off. This is not promoting workaholism. This is promoting watch your heart, check your motives, step back, observe your entire life. And if you're, if you're so in the thick of your life right now you can't think straight, ask somebody else. Remind me why I'm doing this. Find somebody older than you who survived. Find somebody you trust. Ask them for help. That's also part of being in Christ, that we are a body helping one another through our ups and through our downs. There's a time to be generous. There's a time in your life when you'll be needy. There's a time in your life when you can give. There's a time in your life when you need to receive. That's Solomon coming out in Ecclesiastes. For everything, there's a season. For every purpose under heaven. Step back, see where you are, and live for Jesus right in the middle of your junk. You don't like your situation good I would hate for you to love everything on planet earth this world is not your home and you feel that last line put on Christ today and never take him off Romans 13 14 encourages us to be clothed in Christ to I get this I get this huge does anybody have a weighted blanket Oh my goodness. It's hard to get up when you have one of those suckers on. It's like, it's, what do they fill those with? Like kittens or something? It's just like, oh, like, wow, we. I think of Jesus as just this cape, this blanket that is just warm and fuzzy. You put him on and you're at peace. And then you take him off and you go to work. And then you take him off and you go to school. And then you take him off because you, you well, I'm doing something that he, should, he shouldn't keep him on. Listen to the conviction and don't do what you know you're not supposed to do. Stay robed in Christ, clothed in Christ. Remember, he is with you. He said he's never gonna forsake you. Even if you try to forsake him, he knows. He's there, he's watching. He doesn't forsake you. You can try to get out of his hand. He doesn't let you out of his hand. Know he's there. Pray he's there. Remember he's there. He is with you. Live differently. Live on purpose. Never take him off. Stand with me. Let's pray. Oh, Solomon.
this guy's coming after us. Bow your heads, close your hearts. No. I've always wanted to say that. Just close your heart. Don't let anything else in there. Just take what I said and just seal it up. Don't go anywhere. All right. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Open your heart. Let's pray. God, we come to you right now and we pray that you would protect us. Show us when we need to stop doing the same thing over and over again because it's getting us in trouble. Help us to take some time today to step back and examine our purposes for living. Help us to observe the future and the hope that you have given us so we can walk in the light as you are in the light so we can confess our sins and know that you hear us. Protect our hearts from evil desires. When they rise up, God, help us to be quick to say no, to snuff them out, to go do something right. Guard our lips. Help us to be a people that speaks truth in love, that encourages one another, that inspires one another, and doesn't just attack, that doesn't sow discord. Protect us from our phones. Help us to see Jesus as high and lifted up. May we be drawn to him today. For those who couldn't be here, Lord, we lift them up to you and say, heal them, protect them, and bring them back. We miss them. We are better when they are here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What love could remember the wrongs we have done? Omniscient, all-knowing, He counts not their sum. Down into a sea without bottom or shore. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. would wait as we constantly roam what father so tender is calling us home he welcomes the weakest the vilest the poor our sins they are many his mercy is more praise the lord his mercy is more They are many, His mercy is more. What rich 
creatures of kindness he lavished on us. His blood was the payment, his life was the cost. We stood beneath the debt we could never afford. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. Praise the Lord, his mercy is more. Stronger than darkness to every morn. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. Praise the Lord, his mercy is more. Stronger than darkness to every morn. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. First Timothy, not that I need that. <laughs> 6, 15 and 16. He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. 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 You are dismissed. <laughs>